Christmas to each of you. It's great to see you here. Thank you for the wonderful worship again this morning. We have been blessed over this Christmas season with tremendous times of worship. And let me just encourage you, as Kevin already has and Scott already has, to be back tonight to support and encourage our youngest worshipers. It's going to be a great time here tonight, and I look forward to seeing you. You know, a lot of things in life just don't turn out the way we think they're going to turn out, do they? A lot of our plans simply don't turn out the way we planned them, right? I mean, is there anybody else besides me here that would give testimony to that truth? Yeah. Listen, I could give you a lot of examples from my own life about things that did not turn out the way I thought they were going to turn out. Now, there's always a lot of different reasons for this. Sometimes my plans get messed up because I mess them up. My own stupidity or my own lack of judgment or reasoning or just my own misreading of something. There are all kinds of things that I do that can mess up my plans, number one. Number two, there are other people that mess up my plans, right? I mean, we've all had an experience where somebody else has thrown the proverbial monkey wrench into what we thought was going to happen. Something we counted on that didn't happen or turned out differently because of somebody else. Number two. But number three, sometimes, providentially, God messes up our plans. Sometimes God decides that what I think ought to happen isn't really what ought to happen at all, so He significantly changes my circumstances. He radically reorders the things that are going on around me because He has something else in mind. Now, you probably aren't going to like hearing this, but this is probably the rule rather than the exception. It certainly seems to be that way if you look at the stories in Scripture. In the Old Testament, you remember the story of Joseph. God really messed up this guy's plans. You remember he was growing up in in this wonderful home. He was his daddy's favorite. He was living on easy street. His future looked pretty much secured. He even had all these dreams and aspirations that one day all the people around him would be bowing down to him. But then his brothers, who were very jealous, threw him into a dry well, sold him into slavery. The wife of his Egyptian master tried to seduce him, and when he refused her advances, she had the Egyptian cops... (laughs) throw him in jail, and he spent years languishing there. I can almost guarantee you that jail time was not part of Joseph's original plan for his life. But that's where he found himself. 
for many, many years until finally in God's providence and in God's time, God exalted Joseph to be the second in command over all of Egypt. And you might remember in Genesis chapter 50, what he said to his brothers when they were reunited there in Egypt, he said, you know what you guys intended for evil, God intended for what? For good. See, God really messed up Joseph's plans, but it was a really good thing because God was able to do for Joseph what Joseph could have never done for himself. And then I think of Abraham and Sarah. Here's Abraham in God's plan. She was barren, infertile, incapable of having children for years and years. And then God said to Abraham, I want you to leave your country and your family, your father's household. I want you to leave everything that's familiar to you. And I want you to go to this land that I will show you. Leave your family, leave your friends. And then after waiting for many, many years, God finally did come to Abraham and Sarah and He said, I'm going, to, I'm going to give you a son. But then He made him wait even longer. And then finally, Isaac was born. The promise was fulfilled. And then incredibly, astoundingly, God came to Abraham and said, I want you to sacrifice. I want you to kill your one and only son, Isaac. Talk about messing up somebody's plans. But after God rescued Isaac, and after all was said and done, God made the following astonishing promise to Abraham when He said to him, Abraham, because you have done this and you have not withheld your one and only son from Me, I will multiply your offspring and they shall possess the gates of their enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. God seriously messed up Abraham's plans, but it turned out to be a really good thing because God accomplished for Abraham what he could have never accomplished on his own. I got to tell you something this morning, church. God seems to love to mess up our plans. He seems to love to mess up our plans. But listen to me. It's not because He's callous. It's not because He's capricious. It's not because He doesn't care. When God messes up our plans, He has some very good reasons for doing it. And if you're here this morning and you feel like, some plans in your life have been messed up. Maybe a plan for the day or a plan for the week or a plan for the year or maybe even a plan for the rest of your life. If you feel like those things have been messed up, life has not turned out like you thought it ought to turn out. You look back over your life and the things that you've had to deal with and the things you've grown up with and the things you've struggled with and you say, my plans were so messed up I never intended for life. I cannot imagine I'm having to deal with the things I'm having to deal with. Then I want to show you this morning that God has some very good reasons when He messes up our plans. And nowhere do we see this truth illustrated better than in the Christmas story. Matthew chapter 2 and Luke chapter 2. We'll be looking at some various texts there, at least referring to them. 
Because I want you to see this morning that the events surrounding the birth of Christ, perhaps as much as anything else in the Bible, help us understand why it's a really good thing when God messes up our plans. I'm not talking about me messing up my plans. I'm not talking about other people messing up my plans. I'm talking about when God messes up my plans. So let's look at three lessons here this morning. Here's the first. This is so important. When God messes up my plans, it is because He is trying to get my attention. When God messes up my plans, it is because He is trying to get my attention. Have you ever thought about the fact that the birth of Jesus messed up the plans of a lot of people? I mean, it really did. Think about the characters in the Christmas story, the people we read about there. Think about King Herod. We read about him in Matthew chapter 2. The birth of Jesus messed up his plans because he was and he intended to remain king of the Jews. Now he hears from the wise men that another king has been born. And that sets him off on a wild and murderous search to eliminate what he saw as a threat to his position as king. So the birth of Jesus messed up his plans. And then there were the religious leaders of the day. The birth of Jesus certainly messed up their plans because they were looking for a political Messiah. Someone who would come and free them from the yoke of Roman oppression. But that was not why Jesus came. And so His birth messed up their plans and they never did get over that. And then, what about the shepherds in Luke chapter 2? The birth of Jesus messed up their plans. They were, they were just counting on another quiet night with the sheep. <laughs> right? They weren't counting on this angelic chorus bursting out of the heavens and sending them scurrying into the town of Bethlehem. And then the wise men, Matthew chapter 2, they, they hadn't counted on this long, difficult journey from, from their land to Jerusalem. And by the way, some Bible scholars have suggested that that journey there and back could have possibly taken as much as two years, depending on where these guys were actually from. So the birth of Jesus messed up their plans. But most of all, the birth of Jesus messed up the plans of Mary and Joseph. All they wanted to do was get married. They just wanted to get married, wanted to settle down, wanted to live a quiet, comfortable, maybe predictable kind of life. They, they hadn't counted on a baby, especially before they were even married and especially in that culture. So the birth of Jesus messed up the plans of a lot of people. But listen to me, God was trying to get a lot of people's attention. He was trying to get a lot of people's attention. He was saying, hey, listen to me. Look at what I'm doing. I am going to mess up your plans because there's something I want you to know. I am going to come to this earth in human form 
and human flesh so I can live with you, so I can walk with you, so that I can be your Savior, so that I can have a relationship with you. That's why I'm messing up your plans. I'm trying to get your attention. Listen, I'm trying to tell you something. I want to show you something. Now, some people got that message. Mary and Joseph certainly did. The shepherds did. The wise men did. But a lot of people missed it. Herod certainly missed it. The religious leaders of the day missed it. They couldn't see that God was trying to get their attention. All they could see were their own messed up plans. Psalm 81, 13. Would you look at this verse? God is speaking and He says, Oh, that my people would listen to me. Can I tell you something this morning? God wants you to listen to Him. He wants you to listen to Him. And one of the great ways that He gets our attention so that we will listen to Him is by messing up our plans. Can I have a fireside chat with you just a minute? If you're here this morning and you're dealing with some messed up plans, the very first thing you ought to do is say to God, Okay, God, are you trying to get my attention? Is there something you're wanting to show me? Is there something you're wanting to teach me about myself? About the people around me? About my sin? My selfishness, my stubbornness, my self-centeredness. Are you trying to teach me something about my priorities? If things haven't turned out for you the way you think they should have turned out in some area of your life, would you consider the possibility that God may be trying to get your attention? And would you listen to Him? Would you ask God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to show me? What do you want me to know? Because many times when God messes up my plans, He is really wanting more than anything else to get my attention so that I will listen to Him. Lesson number one. Number two, when God messes up my plans, it is because He has a better plan. When God messes up my plans, it is because He has a better plan. Now, I believe Mary and Joseph had a plan. And I think it was a good plan. Get married, settle down, keep the carpenter shop going, maybe raise a few little Marys and Josephs, be good citizens. 
contribute to society, be good neighbors. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing. That is a good plan. But God had something much better. He said, Mary, Joseph, I want you to be the family that raises my son. I want you to be mom and dad to the Messiah, the Savior of the world. That was God's plan. And let me tell you, that was a much bigger and far better plan than the best plan Mary and Joseph could have possibly thought about for themselves. You know, you can sit down this morning, this afternoon, next week, next month, sometime, and you can write out or lay out what you think is the best plan for your life. But you need to understand something this morning. The best plan for your life is God's plan for your life. And God's plan for your life is the plan that counts. It's the plan that counts. Do you see Proverbs 16.25 there? Look at it with me. Proverbs 16.25. There is a way, and I'm not trying to interject myself into Scripture, but I put the little parenthesis plan in there. You won't find that in your translation, but the, the thought is accurate. There is a way, there is a plan that seems right to man, but its end is the way to death. Now that doesn't mean necessarily physical death. It doesn't mean even spiritual death in the sense that that it's saying you're not a Christian if you're following your own plan. What it means is this. There are a lot of things in life that can look right to you and me. There are a lot of plans in life that can seem right and feel right. But many times when you get to the end, it's a dead end. That's what the writer of Proverbs is talking about there. It didn't bring you any joy. didn't bring you any fulfillment. didn't bring you any real sense of purpose and meaning in your life or a special sense of usefulness to God. Let me tell you, only God's plan for your life can do that. And God doesn't want you to miss His plan, so He will mess up your plan and He will mess up my plan because His plan will always be better than your plan. And God's plan will always be better than my plan. So let me just share three things with you about God's plan for your life, okay? And again... It could be You could be thinking about your plan for tomorrow or your plan for next year or your plan for the rest of your life. But there are three reasons why God's plan is always better than my plan. Number one, first reason, God's plan is always bigger than my plan. God's plan is bigger than my plan because God has a bigger perspective on life than I do. Let me tell you what we do. We tend to look at our own lives. We develop this tunnel vision, this very self-centered view of life that's always asking questions like, am I happy? Am I fulfilled? Am I getting what I want to get out of life? 
do the things that have happened to me as I've grown up or the things I've been through in life in this last week or month or year, are these things serving my interests? You know, am, am I getting out of life what I want to get out of life? But see, that, that's how we look at life. We, we Very inward self-centered focus, but God's perspective is very different. He isn't just looking at your life, and He isn't just looking at my life. He's looking at the world. He's considering His greater purposes. You see, in the Christmas story, Mary and Joseph just wanted to settle down. They wanted to be a happy couple, have a happy home, live a happy life. But God said, listen, I want to bless the world through you. I want to do so much more than than you can imagine here. This isn't just about you. This is about something so much bigger. See, God's plan is always bigger than your plan and my plan. And that's why I love Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. One of my favorite verses where Paul writes and says, Now unto him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to His power that is at work within us. My friend, if you will come to God this morning, Christmas 2019, and you will say to Him, God, here I am. Here is my life. I am totally committed to you. You can take me and you can use me however you want to use me. Then my friend, you cannot imagine what God can accomplish through you. Because His plans are always bigger than your plans. Always bigger than my plans. That's the first thing about God's plan. Now let me tell you the second thing. God's plans are always harder than my plans. They're always harder than my plans. Great preacher, you were doing pretty good until you brought this up. I know. I understand. I understand. But what you need to understand is God's ways are always harder than our ways. His plans and our plans. And this is why, quite frankly, so many people cut out on God. Say, I don't don't want your plan. Because as human beings, our natural inclination is to take the easy way out, right? Slide through life. Find the path of least resistance. But God says, hey, if you want my plan, if you follow my plan, it's going to be much harder than your plan. It's going to be much more difficult than your plan. That's what Jesus said, Luke chapter 9, verse 23. We've looked at this verse before. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up a cross, and then follow me. If you follow Jesus, if you follow God's plan, you're going to have to take up a cross. And let me tell you, that is a harder plan. When Mary and Joseph said, okay, God, we're going to cooperate with your plan, Things did not get easier for them. Things got harder for them. Much harder for them. I mean, it wasn't easy for Mary to say, okay, I'll be an unmarried, pregnant, 
teenager when in that culture it could have meant stoning to death. It wasn't easy for Joseph to say, okay, I will accept being the object of criticism and ridicule and gossip. And I'm sure that this young couple must have asked themselves a hundred times, if this baby really is God coming to earth in human form, why isn't he being born in a comfortable palace? Why are we having to take this long journey on a donkey? Why am I having to give birth in a cold and smelly stable with no help? Why doesn't anybody seem to even care? You see, God's plan was much bigger. He was redeeming the world in Christ. It was bigger, but it was also harder. And God's plan for you will be harder. Because it means denying self. It means saying no to self. It means putting some things to death in your life so that you can do that thing that God wants you to do. But hear me. God's plan is bigger, it's harder, but third, it's worth it because it is also more rewarding than my plan. God's plan is more rewarding than my plan. Now, you may not be able to believe that from whatever perspective you're living in right now if God's messed up your plans. But I can promise you on the authority of God's Word, God's plan for my life, God's plan for your life is always more rewarding than my plan for my life. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 is a verse that I've heard shared many times at funerals, and it's appropriate to do so because we're trying to, trying to understand in that moment of grief that heaven is going to be more wonderful than we can possibly conceive of. But I want you to understand this verse is not primarily about heaven. It is about earth. It's not about pie in the sky by and by. This is about the nasty here and now, the reality of living. And Paul writes and he says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him right now. Right now. Let me tell you something about God's plan for your life. If you will cooperate with God's plan for your life, there are two benefits that you're going to get in on that every person on this planet is looking for. I can promise you, every person in this auditorium is looking for these two things. Do you know what they are? Let me give them to you. Here are two things that every person on this planet is looking for out of life. Number one, significance. Number two, satisfaction. Everybody is looking for significance and satisfaction in life. And I'm going to tell you this morning, nothing can replace those things. Not status, not sex, not success, not money, not achievement, nothing. What you need and what I need and what everybody else in this world needs is satisfaction and significance. You need significance to know that your life counts for something, that it makes a difference. 
And you need satisfaction that comes from knowing who you are and what you've been placed here on this planet to do. And you can find that satisfaction. That's it. I can promise you that once you find God's will for your life, God's plan for your life, and you start walking in that plan, then you're going to say, man, this is it. This is what I was created for. This is what God put me here for. I'm not here just to take up space. I'm not here just to use up oxygen, leave some kind of carbon footprint. No, my life has significance to it, and I have the satisfaction that comes from knowing I'm doing what I was created to do. God's plan will bring that significance and that satisfaction to your life. Now, it doesn't mean your life's always going to be easy. We've just seen that. God's plan is always harder. But it will be rewarding. It will be worth it. I don't want to come to the end of my life. Whether that's tomorrow or next week or next year or 20 years from now or whenever it is, and neither do you. And look back with regret and say, my plan was this and my plan was that, but I had no real joy, no real satisfaction, no real sense of meaning and purpose, no real sense of significance of my life to God and to His kingdom's work because I wanted to do it my way instead of God's way. Some of you might remember. In fact, I need to try to remember here. I'm forgetting his name. Uh, Uh, Old Blue Eyes, who sang... Thank you, Frank Sinatra. I knew some of you would get that. You remember his famous almost... uh, The song that's most identified with him? Do you remember the title of that song? I did it my way. Can, Can you imagine coming to the end of your life and standing before the king of the universe. And he says, well, did you do what I placed you on this earth to do? And you say, no, I'd, I just decided I'd do it my way. Your way? You decided to do it your way? My friends, the God of the cosmic universe who came to earth in human form and human flesh, who lived a perfect life, who surrendered His life to those who hated Him so that He could be hung up on a cross, suspended between heaven and earth to die, doesn't want to hear, you did it your way. He doesn't want to hear, I did it my way. Because His way is bigger. Yes, it's harder. But it's more rewarding. It gives your life significance and purpose and meaning. So, when God messes up my plans, number one, what? He's trying to get my attention. Number two, when God messes up my plans, it's because He has a better plan. Finally, number three, when God messes up my plans, it's because He wants me to learn to trust Him. He wants me to learn to trust Him. i got to tell you, as I look at Mary and Joseph, 
I just got to say, God's plan for their lives was so different from their plans for their lives that really all they could do was trust God. Can you imagine the faith it took for Joseph to accept Mary in her pregnant condition, knowing he wasn't the father? Can you imagine the faith it took for Mary to realize that out of all the women in the entire world, God had chosen her to be the one through through whom He would send His Son into the world. I'm going to tell you, all Mary and Joseph could do was trust God. They couldn't possibly see, they could not possibly understand in that moment all that this would mean, how it would all work out. That's why I love Luke chapter 2, verse 19. It says that Mary held fast or she treasured all these things in her heart and often, watch this, pondered what they meant. Mary didn't know what any of this meant. She had no idea how her life would change because of this child. She had no idea how things would evolve in her life as a result of the birth of Christ. But that's okay. It was okay that she didn't know. In fact, it's more than okay because the Bible says there's really only one way to please God. And it's not by religion. It's not by ritual. It's not by ceremony. It's not by keeping a bunch of rules and regulations. It's not by coming to church on Sunday. Hebrews 11.6 tells us that without what? Faith. It is impossible to please God. Trusting God. Trusting God. Trusting His plan. Even when we don't understand it. Trusting God is what pleases Him. So when you're in a mess and you can't see any way through, and you're struggling, my friend, it is time to ask the question, am I going to trust me? Or am I going to trust God? Do I know better? Or does God really know better? Do I really know what's going to make me happy, bring me ultimate joy and and fulfillment and significance? Or does God really know? Some of you may be feeling a little discouraged this Christmas. 2019 has been a tough year for you. Maybe some of you are here this morning and you're lonely. You know, Christmas is a lonely time, can be a lonely time for a lot of folks. Maybe you're here this Christmas and You're feeling like a failure in some area of your life. Maybe you're stressed out because so many things are pressing in on you, crushing you right now. For some of you, this is the first Christmas after the divorce. This is the first Christmas after the loss of that loved one. Maybe this is your first Christmas away from family. Maybe it's the first Christmas that you're going to have to live with that problem, that disability, that circumstance that might now be with you for the rest of your life. If you're honest here this morning, some of you are a little worried about 2020 because you you just don't know what it's going to hold. You don't know how it's going to go. You don't know if you're going to have a job. You don't know if the marriage is going to survive. You don't know if the kids are going to make it. You don't know if you're going to make it because you just don't know what's going to happen. So, 
Can I tell you two things this morning about the future in God's plan? All right, two things. There's not a place in your bulletin to write this down, but you might want to jot them down. Two things you can know about. I guarantee you this morning. Two things you can know about a very uncertain future. Number one, God still has a plan for your life. It's number one. God's still got a plan for your life. Now, you may have missed it for the first 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years. Maybe you've missed it. But you can still get in on it because God still has a plan for your life. And right now, today, you can get in on that plan and you can make the rest of your life the best of your life. But it's your choice. It's your decision this morning as to how you're going to respond when God messes up your plans. Number two, second thing I can promise you, God is never going to leave you. He's going to walk with you every step of the way. And even if your plans change, let me tell you, God will never change. Scripture says He's the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, forever. I love Proverbs chapter 3, 5, and 6. It's one of the first verses I memorized when I was a child and probably one of the first texts you memorized as well. You remember it? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own plans. Don't, don't depend upon you trying to figure everything out. Don't lean on that. Don't lean on your own finite understanding. Instead, in all of your ways, acknowledge Him. Acknowledge His place. Acknowledge His power. Acknowledge His plans. And when you do that, He will what? He will direct your path. He will work out His plan for your life. See, that, that, that first Christmas, God messed up the plans of more people than maybe at any other time. But look at the result. If God hadn't messed up the plans of a lot of people, there wouldn't be a single one of us here this morning. So if He messes up your plans, if He messes up my plans, I think we can trust Him. God knows what He's doing. Even when He messes up your plans. And guess what? Christmas proves it. It proves it. Heavenly Father, we thank You for these moments that we can spend together in Your Word. And we need them because we're a bunch of folks who Love to plan. At least to some degree. Gives us a lot of security when we think we can work things out so they turn out the way we want them to. When we're in control. But you are a God who delights in messing up our plans 
It's not because you want to make our lives miserable. It's because there's something else you want to do. You're trying to get our attention because you want us to listen to you. There's something you want to show us. There's something you want to tell us about you, about ourselves, about those around us. You mess up our plans because you got a better plan. So much better. It's bigger, harder. But it's more rewarding. It's the best thing for us. Then you mess up our plans because we need to learn to trust you. When everything is shifting around us, when all of life seems to be in turmoil, do you know best or do we know best? Is it your plan we're following or is it our plan, own plan we're determined to follow? So God, help us today, this Christmas of 2019, to look at our messed up plans in a different light and to celebrate Christmas this year with a joy and a hope and a certainty that comes from knowing you do have a plan for us. You will never leave us. Throughout the journey of this life, And until that moment when we step into eternity, you'll walk with us every step of the way. Pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ this morning who may be dealing with messed up plans. Maybe those messed up plans go back many, many years, still dealing with the aftermath of that today. Maybe they happened last week. Maybe they'll happen tomorrow. wherever we find ourselves today or find ourselves tomorrow keep our eyes firmly fixed on you the one who is worthy of our trust in all things is the prayer that we pray in Jesus name Amen I'm going to invite you to join me in standing we're going to be singing together tis so sweet to trust in Jesus Would you make these steps an altar for you this morning? Maybe some of you just need to come and say, okay, God, I give you my plans because they're my plans. And I want your plans. Or maybe you're dealing with messed up plans and God's saying, would you listen to me? (laughs) Would you let me offer you something better? Would you learn to trust me? If I can pray with you this morning, I'd be honored to do so as someone who understands what it's like to have plans messed up. Maybe you need to unite with this church family. Maybe you're here for the very first time and you need Jesus Christ in your heart and you're willing to say this morning, my plan has been to do it my way. I want to do it Christ's way. I give him my life this morning. For the very first time, I come in faith to receive him as my personal Lord and Savior. We'll take as much time as we need to after everybody else leaves this morning to walk you through that process. But this is your time. Altar's open. I'm here. Other ministers are here to pray with you as we sing together. Would you come as God speaks to your heart right now?